0: Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit ThePorch.Live. Thank you for joining.
1: What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch. The one and only Laura Eldridge. Hey, y'all. And Mr. J.D. Rogers. Do I do it?
0: Don't do it. No,
1: don't do it. All right. Uh, no. Howdy-do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. East Texas, man. Um, how's everyone doing?
0: Doing
2: great, David. Pretty good. I- I'm pretty excited for this podcast, I'm not gonna lie. Really? Because I'm a 26 year old single guy, but. Yeah,
1: okay. Well, yeah, why is that? What are we talking about today? Today?
2: <laughs> we are learning about what the Bible says about S-E-X, S-E-X. Sex. Let's go ahead, just get it out there. Everyone say it. <laughs> you sex. This joker just spelled it.
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah. Taking us back. Mm-hmm. What do you want to know, man?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad I'm talking uh... to, it's like, this is like the weird conversation where <laughs> I can't like consider you like an expert, or that would be yeah, weird. Yeah, that so would be weird. But like, you are an expert, though, on the Bible. Is it and, called a sexpert? No, it's sexpert. not. It. But I do want to hear, just from a biblical perspective, from a leader that we all admire. Hey, uh, what does the Bible say about sex? And the first thing I want to ask is when it is a when is it okay to have sex with your partner or with someone? Because I think a lot of people know that like hookup culture necessarily probably isn't the best thing. I think a lot of people understand that's wrong and why it's wrong. Yeah. You should, you should care for yourself. Like a lot of people think actually the reason why is like, I should value myself enough to not just hook up with someone. Yeah. But I think where the line gets blurry is a lot of people believe, Hey, I'm in love with this person. This person knows me and I'm going to get married to this person. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's how we show each other our love for each other. And it's going to happen after marriage anyways. What's the point? So Hmm. is
1: that okay? Um, Yeah. So uh, here's what I heard you say. Hey, when is sex appropriate? And uh, big shocker here. If you listen for any amount of time, the Bible teaches that sex is an amazing gift from God. Sex isn't gross. Sex isn't God. Sex is a gift from God. And sex is created to take place in the context of marriage between one man and one woman after, as a consummation of that covenant, which is what marriage is, a covenant of two people committing their lives. It's not a contract, I'm in it, ride or die for the rest of the rest, us together. And, um, and in the context of marriage, sex is to take place. God created it that way. It's an amazing gift. Even science now uh, has proved that when sexual intimacy takes place, the endorphins, the release, of hormones is uh, created to bond you to the surroundings and to the person that you're having sex with. It's an, which is an incredible, incredible thing if it takes place in marriage. And um, so does the Bible explicitly say sex post marriage? Yes. It talks about sexual morality, which is all sexual sin outside of the context of marriage. It sits in Hebrews chapter 13, let the marriage bed or let sexual, Mm -hmm. let sexuality in marriage be undefiled that it says, um, this is God's will for your life in First Thessalonians chapter four, your sanctification, that you be sexually pure. And it talks about that you and I are to not offend and wrong our fellow brothers and sisters and live like people who are victims of our passions, of our hormones, that's literally what the verse says. And it says like people who don't know God, like don't live a life that's marked by those things. And, um, and at the same time, and then you and look at uh, Song of Solomon, where it talks about don't awaken love until it's time, just the dangers of it. So we could go in that direction of like the danger. One of the dangers of having sex inside of the dating context is it keeps you in a relationship longer than you should. Mm. It takes. It puts on like drunk goggles where you're blinded all of a sudden and you overlook uh, things that should be red flags of like, oh, I shouldn't date this person. But then you come back together, you have makeup sex, and it ends up keeping you in a relationship that should have lasted three months, it lasts three years. And unlike had you been pure in three months and seeing like, oh, this is not the right person for me to marry. You stay up three years. You may have lived together from that time. You got a dog together. And when you separate, it's like ripping your heart out. Mm -hmm. And God doesn't want that for you. And when you look around at our world, it's clear the introduction of sex outside of marriage has had tremendous consequences. That if you were God, of course you would say sex is to take place in the context of marriage. Why do I say consequences? Uh, Like even surface level things of, Look at the number of abortions that take place every single year because of sex outside of marriage. There's a million babies a year in America, between 750,000 and a million babies that die every year. That's a Mm -hmm. cost of a life because somebody had sex, that couldn't preserve or wait until marriage. Mm -hmm. Sexually transmitted diseases are all over the place. It's like one in five young adults between 18 and 34, according to CDC. Um, If you were God and you knew the horrific pain that was gonna be a part of a world where sex was not taking place in the context of one man and one woman together for life. And every time they come together, it bonds them together. But it was just something that you, you could engage in with whoever, whenever. And you know, it was just like a part of casual dating. Mm-hmm. And you knew the consequences that would come with that. What would you do? I so many of the scars that mark people's lives and the baggage they carry for years and years and years is related to sex and a relationship that they had that it marked it. And they think about their old girlfriend, even think about, here's a a way to think about the power of sex. Think about this. I have never had someone come down front after the porch and say, I've never told anyone this. And then the next words that come out of their mouth are something like, I got drunk when I was a sophomore in high school, or I cheated on my taxes five years ago, or I cussed out You know, the person who cut me off in traffic and I'm just Mm -hmm. so buried in shame from that. We don't carry those things around like we do with sex. Almost every single time somebody says, man, I've never told anyone this before. I know whatever's about to come out is some sort of sexual sin that has been a part of their life or has deeply impacted them or some Mm -hmm. shame and guilt that they're carrying around from." It happens every single time. People care. Think about the power of sex in the way that it, um, unlike a victim, like this is, this is a, um, an illustration. I'm intentionally, it's provocative. So unlike a, a person who got beat up one time in high school, they don't carry shame and guilt from it. They're not afraid to talk about it. They don't carry baggage from that in the same way that somebody who's a victim of sexual assault does, where they feel mm-hmm. a, it touched them in, at a soul level mm-hmm. and it impacted them. And it just reflects you. Sex is not just physical. There's something deeper going on there. And the Bible says, yes, there is something deeper. It was created to fuse two souls together. That's one of the Hebrew words for love and intimacy that we have there is Ahava, this fusing together of, uh, or I think it's Dode actually is the Hebrew word of, of at a soul level, you and your spouse, which is an incredible gift in the context of marriage and a bonding that takes place, hopefully all the time in marriage, but it is incredibly destructive thing outside of the context of marriage. Let me just go off here for a second. People think that God is opposed to sex, which is nuts. Like I, I've said this before, that would be like Steve Jobs being opposed to the iPhone. Do you know how I say that? Because that's crazy.
0: Because yeah. he created it.
1: He created it. Like yeah. anybody who's like, oh, Steve, really? Oh, you really want to convince us you're an Apple guy? I cannot believe yeah. you <laughs> want to think you're an iPhone person. Really? You made the iPad. You think that we're, for whatever reason, or because he was like, hey, an iPhone was not to be thrown up against the wall or it was meant to be used in a certain way or there's different things around it. it keep it out of the water. Now you don't have to. But back then, uh, the first iPhones, keep it out of the water because it'll destroy it. You putting instructions and in, parameters or restrictions around how to use it does not mean that you're opposed to the thing that you invented. That's really good. And that's exactly what God did. He's like, man, I'm pro-sex the Bible. I could read passages right now that would make everyone listening blush. It would make all of us in the room feel incredibly uncomfortable. Like Mm -hmm. did the pastor just say that? I cannot believe that he talked about oral sex. (laughs) I can't believe that he talked about whatever it was because the Bible goes in, you read verses in Song of Solomon or in, um, where he talks about oral sex, or you read the way that he talks about, Hey, don't Uh, you should be ravished by your wife's breasts in Proverbs chapter five. Ravished. Ravished in them. Or enraptured, your translation may have. Like, think about that. That is the Bible saying, uh, man, you should absolutely do that. The provocative language of Song of Solomon was so provocative that Hebrews today, even Orthodox Hebrews are Jews. Would not let little Jewish boys read it until they were either married or 30 years old. That's how pro-sex God is. He's all about it. You should get married, have a lot of sex, make babies in the context of marriage. and uh, But outside of the context of marriage, it can be incredibly destructive, which is why God, who created it, like Steve Jobs with an iPhone, says, don't throw the iPhone in the water. And God says, don't take sex outside of marriage. Boom. <laughs> okay. But marriage, the constitution of
2: marriage, the, all of those things. Like, I I didn't just magically love someone more because I got a certificate that said I was married to them yep. or that I was in love with them. Yep. And I think a lot of people are like, I'm so in love with you or I'm already engaged to you or like the only thing that's going to change is we're going to get a piece of paper and and say some things, but my love for you does not change. So why wait and are you telling me that marriage is not like a, like a symbol of love? It's a proof of marriage? Like, yeah. why would I,
1: yeah, if good I question. love them? Yeah, like we're going to get married anyways, and who cares? And, you know, where's even the line on sex? And uh, I think all of those are pushbacks that people have. The reason why is because you're not married to them. It, your love may change. You may break up. You're setting yourself up. And, it, and everyone listening right now is like, not us, baby. We're for sure going to yeah, get no married way. together. Yeah. No, we're in it for forever. So... Might as well do this. If it's really that, if all you see it is a paper, go get the piece of paper. Go to the jailhouse or jailhouse, the uh, courthouse. courthouse. Don't go to the jailhouse. <laughs> go to the uh, courthouse today. And, and if you're two believers, pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Get married. If that's really, you're like, oh, it's just a piece of paper. Great. Go get the piece of paper.
2: Is that Have what Have in your life and pledge to one another. When Paul is talking about in First Corinthians 7, um, if you like, basically if you have passions, you can't control mm-hmm. you, it's better
1: for you to get married. Is he talking about sexual passions? Oh yeah, for sure. In the context of that passage, Paul even says like this further emphasizes God being pro marriage. Paul says, um, the Corinthian church was so messed up. So you had people saying, don't have sex with your wife. And this goes into like Plato's view and Aristotle's view of the world where they would have a separation of the body and and the soul. And those are two different things and they work separately. And um, not to go into all that, but basically because they were in Corinth, which is Greece, they were infiltrated by just a bunch of messed up thinking. And they had guys thinking, oh, don't have sex. Sex can be a bad thing. If you're gonna have it, you have it with prostitutes, not with your wife unless it's just for a baby. And Paul was like, no, that's a terrible idea. And he writes them a letter and says, you absolutely should stop sleeping with prostitutes and start sleeping with your wife. Yeah. And he says in first Corinthians chapter seven, uh, verses really one through four, I think, where he just lays out, hey, um, you wrote how, it's, uh, how to not have sex after covering, to stop sleeping with prostitutes. And then I hear that some of you guys are not sleeping with your wives. You should have sex with your wives to avoid sexual temptation and wives should have sex with their husbands because sexual temptation is so strong that it should be a part of your life. And he says, don't restrict one another. This is a crazy verse. Do not uh, tell your spouse, no, you don't have rights over your body and she doesn't have rights over her body. And you should love and serve one another and uh, give your rights sexually and intimacy to one another in the context of marriage. And the only reason why you should not is for a season of prayer. That's something no one's talking about. Boom!
2: No one's talking about that. Yes, I bet there's a lot of women and men who don't want to confess how they're withholding and
1: <laughs> I, I, totally, it on tired or. And that is why marrying a follower of Jesus matters. Mm. Like this is going to be weird and profound or just bizarre for people. If you don't marry a servant, you're not going to marry a servant lover. So they're not going to serve you. They don't share. They don't follow Jesus. So they're not going to be like, man, I'm here. I see intimacy as a chance to serve my spouse. Yeah. I'm going to give my body. I'm a servant lover. You're marrying a selfish lover if you're not marrying a servant
0: and a good and a servant yeah. of Jesus.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes.
0: And a good way to tell that is in the dating period. Is like for for women, it's like, is this guy um, going to practice self restraint? Is he going to yes. serve me now by withholding and and not giving into his flesh? that's a good indicator of whether he's going to serve me in marriage and same for vice versa for guys.
1: Or, you know, as we've said before, and it's, it's, uh, it's not every time because we're going to email for this. Somebody who sleeps with a woman who's not his wife before outside of marriage is going to be more likely to sleep with a woman who's not his wife when, outside of marriage. Yeah. As in like, uh, he if he's married. sleeping with you and you're not his wife he's going to be likely to sleep with, it. he's higher, more likely than a man who's like, no, I'm restrained, I'm following God's commands and God's instructions as it relates to marriage. That guy, the guy who slept with a woman who's not his wife, is going to be more likely to have an affair and sleep with a woman who's not his wife. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so just the idea that, well, we're married in God's eyes. No, you're not. If it's just a piece of paper, just go get the piece of paper and covenant your lives. And And if you're in it forever, why not just pull the trigger and uh, and there's a bunch of nuances we probably...
2: Yeah, because what would you say to the person who is in a relationship, they're trying to honor God, mm-hmm. but they're like, man, when I am with you, I can't help but want to be physical with you. Yeah. And man, we messed up again. They have to go both confess to
1: their community groups. Yeah. We went too far.
2: I think you should get you married.
1: Really? Well, I think it, th- there's so many nuances there. So
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what's so funny is that, like, a couple weeks before our wedding, I was like, "Colby, let's just do it. <laughs> let's just get married now."
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and you're I, just you're that. That's not your body was not dis- designed to be yes. that near to someone and have to withhold. Yes,
0: and what's interesting is you know what his response was to me. It was, "Hey, um, yes, I want to, and yes, this is hard, but there is fruit in the waiting."
1: Yes. Mm. So back to that couple, um, should they get married? There's so many nuances there. they may be really dysfunctional and there's so many red flags and neither of them is following Jesus and then messing up. is not really a reflection of like yeah. a genuine heartfelt. So should temptance. they be dating? Yeah. They shouldn't even be dating. Me. Right. But the person I would say, um, shorter engagements are better. If they love Jesus and so do you and you have seen just faithfulness and so, they meet the qualifications God talks about for a husband or wife. Um, you should pull the trigger. What are you waiting for? To your point, JD, Yeah, you weren't made to date for prolonged amount of times. Your body was not meant to emotionally move in with someone and not physically. And God wants that to take place. And you will experience less shame and guilt, less pain and greater intimacy in the context of marriage by saving and, and dating and being pure along the way. And then dude, get freaking after it once you get married. Okay. Well. Then, w-
2: the Bible's so pro-sex, God's so pro-sex. Why do I feel like it's so normal for people, for their sex life to slow down so drastically, like then like the first couple of years of marriage? Like, shouldn't that be a sign of like health and being like what pro like what God's about you want to be about? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Does that make sense? Uh, Yes. I mean, there's, there's lots of factors involved. Sex drive studies show over time, decreases the uh, older, older that somebody gets. We're talking like um, 60, 70. Yeah. It, the, I think there's actually some studies that show it like spikes up again. And wow. uh, later, I know. How about that? God is good. Yeah. God, all the time. <laughs> and uh, But th- there's a premise built into your question that I think is, um, uh, th- there's several premises. One would be like, well, a lot of marriages stop having sex. Yeah. That's, that's why you should marry a servant lover and be committed and be on the same page and be pursuing one another, pursuing intimacy with one another, caring for one another's needs um, in the bed and outside of the bedroom. And, um, and that may not necessarily reflect anything other than a sex drive decreasing. But also built into your premise is kind of the assumption that, hey, but I'm, people would have more sex outside of marriage than they would in it. And that's not true. Uh, the average couple, dysfunctional couple may have not very much sex. But dude, I, I'm confident. There are people right now who are like, man, I'm just I'm going, I'm going to hook up with whatever chick that I can find this weekend. And dude, I have more sex than you. And I, it's awesome and it's in the context of marriage. And that's not a, a, a weird brag. Yeah, like, that is like, hey, uh, you should get married. You yeah. have intimacy once a week with some random chick from some bar and, uh, and you experience a intimacy that that is fleeting. It's robbing you of future intimacy with your spouse. And it is not as great as in the context of a permanent solidified relationship. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere and where you can move towards I'm naked and unashamed in front of this person that I'm in it for life with that. There's more than just a physical act of, of, um, of getting off. There's a, a intimacy Mm -hmm. that marks our life and our relationship. But I, I do think as a culture, like people get on average, the person The average person gets married at 30. That's nuts. And that's part of why sexually we're so dysfunctional as a culture is people like, I can't wait till I'm 30 to get married. That's crazy. So they just take sex outside of marriage rather than moving quicker into marriage with someone who loves Jesus. So
2: yeah, we can wrap up. I think what I am hearing is it's not people don't believe God when in what he says is best for them. That's the issue. Yes. And, People would rather please themselves now in a way that doesn't require work, yeah. service and commitment. So people are so afraid of, at least my age, yeah. they would rather serve themselves now with quick fixes or, or dating relationships one to the next. Yeah. Then they would actually doing what God calls them to do and believing that it's actually better for them. Yeah. And that's, that's a problem.
1: Yeah. And it ends up there's consequences mm-hmm. and, and they're, it's not just like, Oh, you're going to get struck by lightning. There's real pain. It's going to, the sexual experiences you have, you will carry into marriage. They'll require healing, healing from God can work through scars, but you still have scars. And, um and a life that is lived with less scars is a better thing. Yeah. And so
0: I feel like we have to, before we wrap up, just address the person who's listening to this saying, okay, well, you guys just spent all this time telling me not to have sex. Got it. What happens if I've done it? And I've, I've done it with 50 people or one or I'm in a relationship now where I'm having sex and I don't know how to stop.
1: Yeah. Um, if they are a believer, I would, hopefully they're in a small group. They bring those things forward and they confess where they need accountability and other people in their life to help them. God can heal and work through anything. The The percentage of people who are virgins when they marry is shockingly and sadly so low. So that is most people listening right now and God can heal. God can work in the midst of that and he can bring where there's ashes, beautiful things from, and he can restore away or restore the years, the locusts have eaten to use the... Joel too. uh, Yeah, the words from (laughs) prophet Joel. But but the best thing you can do right now is not keep stacking more baggage to carry into marriage and just packing on more and more and more baggage. It's to heal, pursue purity and in the context and pursue Jesus. And then if you bring somebody along that's godly, pull the trigger, dude. Yeah. It's good. There we go. All right. Hey, that's it. If you have questions, as always, email us at info at the dot live. We will see you soon on another episode of Views from the Porch.
0: We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about the Porch ministry, visit us at the live or follow us on social media at the Porch.